We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 490 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Rafa Aldamui. And Rafa, I'm beefing a little right now. Not with Dembele for leaving or anything like that. We'll get into it. But we had a preseason matchup with Real Madrid that Barcelona won 3-0. And instead, I have to put that as the second part of the show, because our show has to start with Ismane Dembele at this moment heading to PSG for an as-yet-negotiated fee. I was even going to wait on this show because as people, I've been giving the updates on the YouTube channel and the podcast that I've been doing things behind the scenes. And this is my first reappearance since some of my dental stuff. You can kind of see the shine. You can kind of see the stuff, but I'm working through it, getting through it. Still a swollen lip and talking to you yet. Yet I felt like, yeah, we got to turn the lights back on. Demo lay, preseason El Clasico, way too much going on. So I'm assuming that even with AC Milan tomorrow night, the second show this week will be all about Ismani Dembele, that transfer fee, what we'll then know when everything is complete, and all the billion new rumors. The plan is not to go too long on him, but I think we're going to. But of course, you know, I have to at least, at least the bare minimum, get your general thoughts about Ismani Dembele going to PSG at this juncture. We're recording this on the East Coast in the U.S., which is already in Spain time, meaning it's already the first, right? So the release clause has not been paid. That's it. So... For all intents and purposes, it is already the first because of when we're recording here on the East Coast in the U.S. And oddly enough, Barcelona are even farther west of us. So if Dembélé really wanted to get it done and they did all that stuff, well, maybe they shouldn't have been so far away from Barcelona. But yes, what are your general thoughts about Ousmane Dembélé leaving Barcelona at this moment? Well, I tweeted about this, I think, yesterday, is that if you're a Barcelona fan or if you plan on becoming a Barcelona fan, the only thing we can assure you is that you'll never be bored. Whether it's for good, for something good or for something bad, something is always happening at this club. There's no, there's not a day that goes by where we're like, oh my, we're bored. Nothing has happened. Something happens every single day in this club. So we welcome everyone. You'll, you won't be bored. We can assure you that. As far as Dembele goes, I'm torn because I understand, first of all, I think he's the attacking wise. He's our most dangerous attacker, in my opinion. That he's not the perfect player. We all know that he hasn't become that player at all 
throughout his Barcelona tenure, but he's still the most dangerous, in my opinion. With his speed, his dribbling ability, he can go by absolutely anybody one-on-one. If you want to stop him on the wing, you got to bring another player or two other players. That's the ugly truth. Then his end product, we can analyze that for the for an entire year. Sometimes he looks like he's a finished product, and other times he looks like he hasn't learned anything at all whatsoever. So I get it. He's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with his end product. I get it. So on that end, I'm worried. Because if he goes, which by the looks of things, it looks like he's going to be gone. We don't have anybody right now attacking wise on the wings. I'm not talking, I'm not counting Lewandowski up the middle. On the wings, whether it's Rafinha, Ferran, Ansu, Abde, in my opinion, is the closest thing we have in one on one ability of going by somebody and being able to create havoc. Because Rafinha, We all know he can't go by anybody. He He's good at other things, but being that typical, I know it's kind of ironic, Brazilian winger with one-on-one abilities, Rafinha can't go by anybody. Ferran isn't that kind of player. He's more of like a smart type of player that knows where to be and whatnot. Ansu, sadly, he hasn't shown yet after his knee injury that he's that type of player anymore. Like, you you see him more in like more central areas and whatnot. And Abde is the closest thing we have to Dembele in that aspect. So if we lose him, that's what worries me. Now that the trade, not the trade deadline, but like the, the release clause, the 50 million release clause, which wasn't even 50, it would have been 25 to Barcelona, 25 to Dembele is gone. Then if we can get, 50, 60, 70 for him, and then be able to create whatever that creates of financial fair play to then be able to try and get Bernardo Silva, somebody else. I have no idea who we, who we could get, but then that would be, I would be like, hey, Dembele, you didn't do us dirty that much because you didn't activate that relief, whether it was because he didn't want to or whether Musa Sissoko wasn't able to do it by the 31st deadline, whatever that may be. He didn't do us dirty in that way, so now we're going to be able to bring in more money and be able to, I don't know, maybe Bernardo Silva, obviously that's like the, the big dream. Then I wouldn't be that devastated that he's gone, but if he... If he's gone and we don't bring in somebody else, whether I'm not saying that he that player has to have the same qualities as Dembele because the Bernardo Silva is a different type of player. But if we don't bring in a big name to kind of deal with losing Dembele, if we're like, oh, well, we, we're just going to ride with Rafinha, then that would really, to me, be harmful to the squad. Yeah, I agree with And I have written a lot of the points that you, that you just said. I haven't written my full eulogy yet for his Barcelona career. I think that'll be again on Thursday. But off the cuff, a few of the thoughts are the same ones that everybody else has. Dembele had and still has the talent to be a top 75 player at the club. And I'm saying of all time. I mean, that's just how strictly talented he is. And we know the rest, though. It's the injuries, losing possession, and then the good and the bad of his chaotic style. We know his importance to Xavi's project. 
We know that his transfer fee six years ago or five seasons ago, what that was and how he's always, even five years on, held to those standards of what that transfer fee was, over $100 million. And again, now that he's been around for so long and he's so polarizing, I don't think that I have an opinion that would be novel to anybody other than maybe pointing out the obvious, which I think sometimes with Dembele, we get so stuck into our personal opinions of him that we kind of forget what he, kind of, what he means to the macro sense to Barcelona and all that stuff. So just like Busquets, I think thinking of Dembele as a functional role instead of actually seeing him is the way that you understand what Barcelona will look like without him, if that makes any sense. So just think of him. What is his role? What is his job? What is Xavi? Why is he so important to Xavi's project? And what is now leaving that won't be replaced? What that is, is a player on the right who will command constant double teams, as you said. A player who is unpredictable with both of his feet. Two-footed. That has been essential. I'm not, and when he's at his best, that is an essential quality he has. And most importantly, as you also mentioned, a player who draws out that back line with his threat, even on the touchline. So as in getting to the sideline, all the way to that touchline and bringing that extra help. Because those four to five to six to 10 yards that that left center back has to come over, that opens up space for everybody else. And a player on his day who can deliver some good assists as well. He's probably been, since Messi left, the best assist giver, even if those numbers don't really back up his natural innate ability. Because again, injuries, all that stuff. And Xavi will need to adapt without that player now. Ironically enough, even though he plays on the left, as you mentioned, Abde, again, who's a left winger, is the top tier, I think he's up there, of the young wingers who can do a lot of those things. And the streets call them speed merchants, uh, merchants, but I think, you know, those chaos dribblers, as, as you said, because there is no replacement for his positive skill set. Again, not exactly what you're getting, because that's, you can replace 80% of what you get from him production-wise because of all the games he misses. That's true. But the idea of of Dembele, well, yeah, the idea of Busquets, but the idea of Dembele is not replaceable with what's on the market or even what's out there at all. Because any player who does those things is generally on the field a lot more and therefore that much more expensive and really a, a true, true star of the game. So from the right side, so not talking about the left, I'm going Saka, Salah, and at a lower level, Doku from Ren and Chiquese from now AC Milan, who are less than Dembele. So I'm giving you Saka and Salah as the two players that do that to a high, high elite level who, yes, they're on the field a lot more than, than Dembele, so I rank them higher, but who just do it at their best at that level that Dembele does it when he is at his best. Again, hypothetically, in theory, which is what teams play, pay for. Teams really do have to pay for in theory a lot. So any other options I see are either not yet ready, so don't pop up your player from Lyon at me or or Crystal Palace, and I, those, I know those particular players in particular, but you yeah, don't throw these names at me because those players aren't ready yet, or they're not the touchline winger I'm talking about. So those players that are coming inside, things like that, they're just, that's not who I'm talking about. Even Bernardo Silva means a change in the way the Xavi sets up his ideal right winger situation with Balde coming in on the left and that inside forward on the left, Peter Gabi, or even Ansu or Torres coming off the left. So again, most of the names you throw at me, including the insane names reported, which is are you replacing Dembele with Carrasco, a left wing back? No. And Alexis Sanchez, a 34-year-old who now mainly operates in the middle? No. Like, And it, it's telling that those are the immediate names thrown out there. Because we know uh, the actual new names and the change of plans. That would be Bernardo Silva, João Cancelo, and just having super talented players, in theory, replace some of the things that he did, but not even through his skill set, but adapting to the skill set of the new players that you bring in. 
and using your money, we'll say wisely. But what I'll do by wrapping up the demo late part, because again, I want to save some up for Thursday too. Here's some truths that we know right now about this is my feeling about demo living. Him leaving now for a fee, as you said, is better than losing him for free next summer. 100%. 100% taking 70 now, then zero that we know is going to happen next summer with his agent especially. Take it. Take the money and run. Lewandowski is my big worry with Dembele gone. I don't think anyone is going to suffer without Dembele more than Lewandowski is. Because his injury, that being Dembele, is in the second half of the season. And Lewandowski's supposed drop in form in his back injury perfectly coincide with one another. Perfectly. Thirdly, Levine Yamal. Nobody is mentioning him because it's too early to mention him. He just turned 16. I know that. But Rafinha, Ferran Torres, and then in case of emergency, Lamine Mall as your three right wingers, I think that is more than good enough to again win the Liga and continue to push this project forward. With the players that you brought in, in Gunawin, in what Vita Roque should do for you, in, I mean, Oruwamehu is a different thing with the Busquets conversation, but you get my point. Bringing in the additions that you did, and Nico Martinez too, and then just keeping Rafinha, Ferran Torres, and Lamine Mall as your quote-unquote three wingers, I think is good enough. And then with 50 million or more, the thing about selling players, I know 43 million for salary is what we're hearing in terms of the financial fair play that Barca will have. But remember, they still need to register their new signings as well as extensions for Ronald Araujo, Sergio Roberto, Marcos Alonso, Inaki Pena, and Alejandro Balde. And that is why last week, there was that whole rumor about 100 million euros about uh, coming in from Qatar to help Barcelona really push forward FFP and and to make sure they get all their transfer stuff done without any worries this summer. As well as, again, Vita Roque. I still expect him to come in January. I don't think that's going to change regardless of the Dembele situation. But you get my point. That I think at some juncture, I'm not saying Barcelona to stand pat. Yeah, they should go out and get the right back. Now they have the money. If it's Fresneda, sure. Is it Cancelo? Sure. But go get your right back because now you can afford to do so and fit him in financial fair play. And don't touch that right wing. Because the market, there's that player doesn't exist. Not even to replace Dembélé. But like, if you're going to buy someone like Bernardo Silva, then adapt your, your your style. Like, adapt what's happening on that right wing to that player, as opposed to trying to find what he does well by being Dembélé and replace that. Because that is not going to happen. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen, or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol, or Piquet and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, 
Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, I, I agree. And that's why I mentioned Bernardo Silva. And I was, I, shout out to Julio. Uh, I was talking to Julio exactly about this. Like, if we sign Bernardo Silva, we all know he's not the, in any way, shape, or form, the same type of player as Dembele is. So with whoever we sign, even let's throw out there a Joao Felix, just for the fun of things. Whoever we end up signing, if we sign somebody, then Xavi has... That that's part of his job because now it's not like we're replacing the same type of player with Dembele, like you said, like a Doku. Imagine Salah and Saka, we're not signing them. But imagine if we were able to. It's not like okay, Dembele is gone. We're whoop, it's like popping, dropping their Salah. Basically the same thing. No. So if we sign Bernardo Silva or Joao Felix, Xavi then is gonna. That's part of his job. He's gonna have to the the the, the los muñequitos like the. The little, uh, whatever. He's going to have to fit everybody else. Like the magic box that he talks about. Like but Romeo and Frankie in the double pivot. In front of them, you, we saw Pedri. And obviously, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But we saw Frankie and Gundogan. Then if you bring in a Bernardo Silva, are you going to put him like in front of that magic box behind Lewandowski? Are you going to put him on the wing and then basically give him a, be able to free roam the entire pitch? So, that's why it's a little nuances, but it has an impact on the game. So that that's going to be Xavi's thing to figure out if we're able to bring a great player, but it's going to be a different type of player because there's nothing like Dembele for the most part on that right wing on the market. So that's what I'm worried about in a way. Because even if we, you said like the the right back position, which I do agree, we now we kind of do have the money. But 
my worry is we're not in a situation like we were back in the good old day where if we splashed 50, 40, 60, whatever, and gave a good amount of salary to a certain player and it didn't pan out, we had a safety net. We were making money wasn't a problem. Financial fair play wasn't a problem. Now, when we do have money, whether it's a Ferran Torres or a Rafinha or now a right back situation, Mateo and Laporta, it can't be like they have to, they can't miss. Because if we miss when we're spending money, then uh, we don't have that luxury of like, whatever, we can miss on this option. We'll just buy, it on a, uh, buy another right back next year. We can do it. Now we can't. And we're seeing that with Rafinha and Ferran. We splashed big on both of them. And I know the jury's jury still out on both of them. There's pros and like people are pro or anti Rafinha and Ferran. So that's what I'm trying to say, that if we splash cash, it has to pan out because we don't have that safety net anymore of like, oh, we bought Slatan Ibrahimovic for X amount of money plus Samuel Eto'o. Don't worry. We'll ship him out for 25 because Messi needs to play in the middle. And then next year, we'll get David Villa for 50 or whatever. We can't. We don't have that luxury anymore. So that's what I'm worried about. That I, I do agree that we need a right back, but what's a realistic option? And I don't even want to say his name because of what's going on, but what's a quote-unquote sure thing, a Danny Albus-esque right back signing that you're like, we're 90% sure that this guy is going to pan out. Right now, I don't think there's anyone in that aspect. Yeah, it's so weird too with the Dembele stuff because it feels like almost a jolt where it's like if he had left a month ago as preseason was kind of just getting started – that's one thing. And then you kind of reshape the idea of the team. But because we just saw them, as I transition to talk about the preseason matchup with Real Madrid, that 3 nothing win in Dallas, that it felt like th- this, this fully formed thing is kind of hatching in front of your eyes. And we do this when it comes to players in and out, where we feel like once you sign a player, they're there forever. And once a player leaves, then obviously like their legacy is gone and, and, and whatever. But it's so interesting that you look at a, a player like a Fermin Lopez, and I, I like I think of these two stories so interestingly this week where Fermin Lopez went for and then the big news, of course, after the game is that Xavi, I think of all the things that we heard and saw that Xavi that Fermin Lopez will not be going out on loan and he'll likely be incorporated in the first team. So even if he's playing for Barça Athletic, we can expect to see quite a bit of him this coming season. And that's so interesting because I, I kind of kept saying it on the pod in the last few weeks that whether not even Bernardo Silva, we know that that's like the kind of player that Xavi wants. He does want another, like we'll say attacking number 10, like a player who is not a winger, not a center forward, but, and not even a Jao Felix who I almost consider like a secondary four. Like we know he's up there on the front line, but where I'm not really sure. Right. There's out like Antoine Griezmann is the same somewhere there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, They're up there on the forward line. But for me, Lopez is attacking midfielder and he is like a, a, almost a prototypical, like number 10, if that position never really existed anymore. And that's where he played for Linares. And that was where he was essential in the third division last year with all those goals and things. So for us in a system like Barcelona, that obviously, you know, I mean, we watched that Riquelme all those years ago, that they're no number tens. They don't really surround you anymore. That's why Hamas Rodriguez had his issues. Isco, glad to see him back in the Liga. But yeah, like those number tens, teams like Barcelona do not surround themselves for, for your benefit, especially if your name is Fermin Lopez and you're 20-year-old from, from the academy and he was playing third division last year. But that said, 
whether he's playing as, as I expected, he's playing as a high right interior, which is kind of where I thought he'd be. Now, it seems like Xavi's kind of saying, okay, that is a need I had. I had a need. I asked for Lenzini, and I really asked for some free agent transfers off the, the heap because I had this profile that I wanted. And for me, Lopez, by scoring a goal and having a nice assist, scores a goal with his left foot, by the way, and then the dink with his right foot. He's, he is a right-footed player. So to score a goal like that, yeah, nice, nice, nice goal. I'll let you talk about that. But then the, the dink as well. So a goal and assist is enough, plus his training the last few weeks, to convince a manager, I don't need that thing I thought I needed anymore. I thought I needed to complete my squad with this attacking midfielder, but now I have that thing and nothing exists. And so it is this weird thing where with Dembele leaving now and having seen what we saw from Real Madrid, both Madrid and Barcelona were figuring some things out. They don't entirely know exactly. I think Barcelona generally, they won the Liga. It's a lot of the same squad. They generally know who they are and what they want to be. But what was telling to me from that game is that Real Madrid has not yet incorporated Jude Bellingham. They've yet, they've, they've yet to figure that diamond midfield out. They're still working through it. They, yes, they hit the crossbar five times. They created way more chances than Barcelona did. And the scoreline is flattering for Barca. Yes. But you also saw what their path forward is. Uh, Mbappe, I, I'm not talking about that. That's a different thing. But you saw that Madrid's path forward to being really excellent, what that looks like. And if you get a little more out of Rodrigo, and you allow Vinny Jr. to kind of just do his thing. And against guys who aren't Araujo and, and Kunde, because Vinny Jr. continued to try to attack their side over and over and over again because he trusts himself at that spot more than he's going to try to change something up <laughs> because he wants to attack Balde on the other side. But my point is that you see Real Madrid's path forward is to how they're going to win the Liga, how that would work, how they would make it all make sense. And Barcelona's the same way. Going to win to me, looked like he was in the preseason. He didn't look like he had it figured out. Lewandowski, even though they're old Dortmund teammates, he didn't look like he had it figured out with Pedri and certainly did not look like he had it figured out with Frankie de Jong. So they were really working some, through some things. Against Arsenal, the, the heavy emphasis was clearly about the press and incorporating those new players and shaping them into Barcelona's defensive identity, which was mainly what they were last year, a one nothing defensively sound team. That's how they won the Liga. I know, I know, even though that's not how idealistically Barcelona should be. But as far as the attacking parts of things, we saw it against Real Madrid, how those progressions and Xavi does want to allow going to win, especially with Bernardo Silva too. If you add guys like that, Pedri in another year, who are just so talented offensively, good things are going to happen, but that is going to take time. And you saw Barcelona against Real Madrid, how they win the league again and how they advance farther in the Champions League. And even without them LA, I still believe that there are things in play as to, to allow that to happen. Even replacing Dembele with Rafinha in that 3-2-4-1, as we saw Rafinha do against Arsenal. We saw it and it happened. And like you know that uh, you, you know that Rafinha can work out as enough of what Dembele does in this system that tries to get the best out of everybody. Because my only argument is the ball data, you know, I'm much more worried about the ball data Alonso drop off than I am. I'm not kidding. Than I am about Rafinha becoming Dembele. No, technically, like you said, even though I, I'd rather not have Rafinha, but I agree, like the drop off from Dembele to Rafinha, I think is it's substantial, but it's not insane. Like you obviously, Balde is here. And Marcos Alonso is at the bottom of the barrel. So, and that was a problem. We, how many times that we talk about this last season? 
that was the entire problem with this squad throughout the entire like throughout the entire team that the drop off of quality from the starters to the substitutes was insane like defense midfield forward line a little bit and whatnot so that, that, that that's the problem i agree especially like real madrid i know they're it's the same thing and i'm i'm mad, mad that they got bell in him because when he figures it out within the system and if they do have a number nine whether it's i mean i'm, I'm not counting jose Lu, but when they have a real number nine and bellingham i i know that the potential of that but that being said as far as barcelona goes i'm gonna take like It's a very small sample, and I'm I have no idea if Xavi will be able to recreate those first five minutes of Barcelona and the Clasico and be able so that they're sustainable for I don't know 60, 70 minutes. I, I think that should be the goal. But Barcelona's first five minutes of that game, and this is from a Barcelona perspective. If you're a Real Madrid fan and you hear me talking about this, you're gonna be like What are you talking about? Those were five minutes. But if we're able to recreate those first five minutes, that was, and I know I may sound crazy, but those first five minutes were Barcelona, Pep Guardiola-esque. We were toying with them, taking the ball out from the back, first touch, one touch, being able right side, left side, bringing the ball back, Going forward, not Real Madrid not even knowing where the ball was going. So to me, I was like, whoa, this can be done. Whether we're able to do it for 60, 70 minutes, I have no idea. But we're able to do it. And that's with what, one preseason game? So to me, that should be a sign of hope. Star Wars, this is a new hope. This can be done. So to me that that should be the, the 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 freaking blueprint of Xavi. I have no idea and and you know that I was very critical of Xavi last season and that's why I was worried about losing Dembélé because last season I thought Xavi and eh, we all know he's still a young manager but he didn't show that he was able to get his team to perform or recreate the kind of football that he wanted. In my opinion we were relying on our difference makers, whether that was Dembele on the wing, Pedri in the middle, Balde on the left, and then obviously our great defenders, Araujo, Cristian Sencunde, and Ter Stegen. So we relied on a bunch of our individualities to get us by. I didn't see that if Xavi was able to get his team to play the way we all know he wanted. So to me, that's the biggest to-do list that he hasn't been Not, able to do. 100%. Yet. That is actually what I think is sustainably positive about Real Madrid. It's not the three nothing, the goals, or anything like that. It's that Frankie de Young, Oro Ter Stegen, Pedri, Koundé, all played well. All five of them just played well. Were they amazing? Were they the best versions? Probably not. But they all were quietly, I think, to a point even, they were positive. Even, I mean, Frankie picked up the nasty yellow, sure. Oro again, like, It's not about the shot hitting the post. Like he's not going to do that often. Like, I don't care about that. It was that he was just solid. He did his job and he did exactly what Xavi is going to ask him to do this season. We got to see that from Oro Romeo. Pedri, same thing. Didn't look like he was still, it still kind of looked like he was in preseason form. Still not entirely sharp, still not entirely with it. But as you mentioned, in those first five minutes, 
He came out like a bat of the hell, controlling the game and, and doing things at a high level. Have not seen Gabi yet in the preseason, which is positive. And then even the likes of Lewandowski and Balbe, who I thought they were fine. I think people kind of were getting on Lewandowski. I didn't think he was bad at all. I thought he ran hard. Nobody found him and he did his job. And yeah, he, I mean, he also, he got a goal. So I was like, I mean, care too much. Uh, sorry. No, that was against Arsenal. But anyway, he didn't get a goal, but I don't care about that. It's hard to remember. And then Balde had that one special run out of his own half in extra time in the first half, like the one that went viral. But he didn't necessarily have like a big Balde game. I thought he and Danny Carvajal kind of canceled each other out. And a lot of times for Real Madrid and Barcelona this season, as we didn't, we think in theory, La Liga, it, it's so interesting too. I know that they didn't win the Champions League last year, but this season, we're hoping that Barcelona can get closer to the Champions League version of Real Madrid, and Real Madrid is hoping to get closer to the Liga version of Barcelona. And it, it's so, right? It's so interesting that both teams are chasing each a version of each other that they weren't good enough to last year, right? And I think both of these teams can get closer to their counterparts in those other tournaments. And again, so it's okay. I'm fine with the fact that Balde was just fine. And then Hall was just fine in the game. And then Lewandowski was just fine in the game when you had enough players. I mean, and Frankie, I thought, was excellent in that game. And we see here that, especially if Bernardo Silva comes in, you have five, six. I mean, how many midfielders does a team have? And I think the big criticism for Xavi, also from that Real Madrid match, that regardless of a top-level opponent like Arsenal or Real Madrid, you're going to see this season, is that, if Xavi has all those Gaston midfielders on the field and you lose control of the game, you have nothing. You have lost everything. Because if you have so many midfielders, the one thing you have to have is control <laughs> of a game. And that has to happen. And if we saw it against Real Madrid for about, I mean, Real Madrid had more possession, sure. But even in those moments when Real Madrid were, were pressing, turning Barca over and pushing, hitting the post a number of times, sure. And creating and, and causing threats. And I, I mentioned him too. Ter Stegen was really good in that game. Ter Stegen, fortunately, his form also seems like it's carried over. And by form, I also mean luck. And if his luck and form carry over as well, then Barcelona are just as good as they were because Ter Stegen was also better than Courtois yesterday and, or two days ago. And that was a huge part of it too. I'll say this. I loved Frankie's challenge on Militao. And I'm not condoning that kind of challenge. I, I want to make that clear. But by saying that I loved it is because prior to that one, Real Madrid had three, whether you want to call them dirty or harsh tackles on Barcelona players, Militao's on Lewandowski, Chuameni's on Gundogan, and Camavinga's on Araujo. So those were three. I'm tired of being like the good lamb, like enough of that. Like you got to stand up against them because if not they're just going to try and do the same thing over and over and over again and to see it from Frankie of all people that if there's one thing that we've heard like criticism wise of Frankie throughout the years is that he's I don't know the, the, the prototypical like choir boy like good boy like he doesn't have that like even though physically he's a specimen he doesn't have that nastiness that needs to like a team needs to have in certain, not the entire time throughout the entire game, but in these specific moments where you're a cap, like he's a, he's a captain now, right? Third captain. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's a third captain. So you need to stand up. Like you can't have three nasty challenges on your guys. And then I love that about Frankie. He was like, no, like F you like this needs to stop the same way Araujo did in the game against yeah, Arsenal. Yeah. So you need that. Obviously we know Araujo can do that. But from Frankie, it was like, whoa, whoa, 
what what the, is this frankie so well, i yeah, want I mean, that's one thing i loved about him yeah, I wanna, before we move on I, yeah with, with frankie de young i think what made him so excellent yesterday is you see that and we're talking about a lot about replacing busquets and that idea and people always said we want more from frankie de young what if there is a situation where because you're getting less out of that pivot position in oro romeo because you're not getting the same long horizontal balls we saw more of those from de young and pedri but they're seemingly, even without De Young, uh, with Busquets now, and Oromeu physically, I mean, what does he have? Like a third of a foot faster than Busquets, right? It's not like measurable, but it seemed like he now without Busquets next to him knows and has this feeling that he really has to participate. He really has to grab the game by its, by its horns because if not, then who? And maybe that is part of him becoming a captain. But yeah, like Busquets kept receipts. Like, I know he didn't have a lot of dirty tackles, but you watch. Like, Busquets, <laughs> as a captain, there was one thing that guy did. And he, he's obviously going to be memed into existence forever by the, by the peekaboo, right? But he was cheeky. He had more dark arts than you think he did. And Frankie isn't, yeah, he doesn't have that, but he can show personality. And even if that means a, a yellow card or a red card or two this year, by showing that personality to captain, so be it. But I think... What I was most impressed by with him and why arguably I think he might have been my man of the match when I really considered the total picture of that game is just how important he felt like he had to be to that game in retrieving the ball, in working hard, in offensively setting things up, in one touch, like his one touch stuff was really, really impressive in comparison to what we think of him. So if Frankie DeYoung can be the best version of himself, that will mitigate a lot of the loss of Busquets, even more so than what we don't see Oral Romeo doing. And there is a counterbalance there that, especially with the double pivot, it all just has to be balanced. And even if you're losing a little bit here, if you get a little more from Frankie Young, it'll all stay balanced, just like it did last year. And, and we just need, the real question is, can Young be that guy? He was that a guy in the preseason against Real Madrid, but can he be that guy every single game the way Busquets was? He was so damn consistent, was Busquets. Can Young be that guy every single game? If he is, he might be the league of player of the season. No, hopefully, and and one thing I'll say, uh, another that I took out from this game is that we like for the most part, apart from like the, the new players and and the young players that are coming up, like we know who's who, like we know who is not good, we know who's really good, and we know who's sometimes good, sometimes bad, and I think that's that's gonna be the the key of this season, the determining determining if we're able to make like try and win the league and try and make a good run in the Champions League. It's going to be the is Inigo when he's finally fit because that another reminder, we got 3 fifth of fixtures during the first half of the season, September, October, November. So mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to get injured, but I think it would be naive to think that nobody's coming back injured from those fixtures. Like that's the yeah. ugly truth. Yeah. There's a fourth one in March right before Everything is decided. La Liga, Champions League, hopefully, and whatnot. So whether we want it or not, we have to accept that players, and especially the players that are injury-prone, I don't even want to name them, but in the defense, they're going to get injured, sadly, whether it's for a few weeks or they're out longer. So we're going to have to count on Inigo, on hopefully Balde never... Give me... me listen, Listen, you drag him against Arsenal... I knew I'm winding you up. You can drag number 24 against Arsenal, but he played 
when in the 28th minute, when Christensen leaves that game, Nigel Martinez isn't ready yet, and old number 24 comes off the bench and plays from the 28th minute on against Real Madrid in that game where they were attacking through the middle with Bellingham. And there's a player of Barcelona who held the fort down and was just fine. And yeah, Peekaboo, you're going to see him, Rafa. I disagree. I I, I saw your video. I saw the your last video and I disagree. He got there were two plays by Rodrigo where he got bamboozled. Rodrigo literally blew by him. There was one in the first half and we're talking about Eddie Garcia. In case you didn't know, um, there was one play in the first half where Rodrigo just blew by him and if Balde wasn't there to cover his behind, Rodrigo would have been cleared on goal. There was another one in the second half where Rodrigo blew by him and then Rodrigo was able to get a cross out and Vinicius was basically point blank shot, and Kunde was able to block that shot. But I honestly, I didn't even want to get on Eddie Garcia because that was one of the players that I yeah. I think he's horrible. So I I I, I don't want to get m- more on because I, in my opinion, he doesn't have the quality to play for Barcelona. So, but I, what what I, what I'm trying to get at is that there's gonna be injuries, and in the midfield, there's a lot of players that I never want to see Sergi Roberto ever again. So hopefully Fermin Lopez somehow is able to convince Xavi to, so that Xavi gives Sergi Roberto's minutes to Fermin Lopez. I don't but see how he does that, though. They play different positions. Like, I think the but way if that... they play, like, for example, Sergi Roberto, when he got it, Gundogan got injured, Sergi Roberto came in for Gundogan, and he was playing on oh, those yeah, two yeah, positions true. in front I of Romeo. So Fermin Lopez can play on, on those, alongside Pedri, for example. But, but what I'm trying to get at is, to me, the key to this season is that in the back line, whether Christensen we know is injury prone, Araujo we know is injury prone, Inigo we know is injury prone, but if Inigo somehow, like if we're somehow able to get lucky and not have three center backs get injured at the same time, I'm just hoping that Inigo is able to provide that so that it, it lessens the gap, so that when Araujo, Kunde, or Christensen get injured, we don't have to rely on Eric or Marcos Alonso. So Inigo is able to be a happy medium. Then, that's why I think we need to somehow get Joao Cancelo. I don't think Joao Cancelo is the solution so for the big, big games. But Joao Cancelo is able to play as a right back and as a left back. And as you mentioned earlier, if Balde goes down, Lord, give us strength because Marcos Alonso is freaking horrible. And the drop of quality from Balde to Marcos Alonso is abysmal. So if somehow you're able to get Joao Cancelo and have him play right back, left back throughout the entire season and Balde goes out or whether you want to rest him, you can put Joao Cancelo on the left and we'll be fine for the most part. But if Balde goes down and we have to play Marcos Alonso and we have to play a big, important game, that is going to be a big, big problem. On the right, if Araujo or or Kunde, they're makeshift right backs. They're not right backs. And if for some reason you got Inigo and Cristian out, which is a possibility, that's not out of the realm of possibility, and you have to play... Some, something's got to give them because if you play Kunde and Araujo as center backs, then who the hell do you play as a right back? Sergi Roberto? That's going to be a problem. And then if you decide either Araujo or Kunde is your right back and one, the other one is the center back and you, uh, Eriksen or Inigo are out, 
then that means Marcos Alonso or Eric Garcia has to play. And that's a big problem. So by having Joao Cancelo, that's going to fix a lot of the problems, in my opinion, because of his versatility, whether it's as a right back or as a left back. So what I'm trying to get at, especially midfield and defense, somehow we need to figure this out before what the we're a month away from the trade deadline, Xavi, Laporta, Mateo and company, so that there's going to be injuries. We have to accept that the what we need to fix somehow is that the drop of drop of quality of our bench players isn't that steep as it was last season because at the end of the day that was the reason we were out in the group stage yeah. because the drop yeah. of quality was enormous i mean I, i'd love to continue to have these conversations but i think it sums it up to like three big questions one how healthy will this team be because as you mentioned about those drop-offs yeah that's question number one because if this full starting 11 and now i think barcelona go what about 14 15 you trust deep So can those 14 or 15 players stay healthy enough? Because that is enough players to get you trophies, 14 to 15 of that quality. And then part two of that is up top, how much you're getting with Dembele leaving out of the players that you know you have. Rafinha, if he does that same goal contributions they did last year, regardless of how they're coming, Barcelona would still win. But without Dembele, who again, missed a ton of the season, Ansu and Farron have got to be better. There is no answer. If it doesn't matter about Lamine Yamal yet, Vida Roca is coming in January, but Ansu and Ferran Torres are going to become a even bigger part of whether or not Barcelona are, especially in Europe, succeeding or not. And then again, the midfield is one of those things where I have very few questions. It was about replacing Busquets, but Frankie and Orumeu kind of helped me sleep well <laughs> at night saying, okay, if that is what it is, yes, one injury to one of those two. And yeah, now you're talking about Sergio Roberto as a defensive midfielder and the alarm bells are ringing there, sure with depth, but that goes back to question number one. And then question number three is over the course of this season, can the players that are young, that are improving, continue to improve in a linear way? That's the last thing I'll, I'll say is that Balde, yeah, we know the drop off between him and Alonso and he looks healthy and he looks good against Real Madrid and he looks good against Arsenal too. But can he, over the course of a season, be consistent now that teams are kind of starting to figure him out? Can he be that good? Can Gabi take a step forward? the way we expect him to do. Can Pedri really go from being, hey, that's a really great young player and all the graphics on ESPN FC and all that stuff, they compare him to who? Like Bellingham and the other youngsters in world football. Can he go from one of the youngsters in world football, one of the best of that bunch, to one of the best midfielders in world football? Because that is the hardest jump to make, right? So can he go from Bellingham to Kevin De Bruyne, which does take time. You can't do that one season, but obviously more winning is going to do just that. And the more games Barcelona win and the farther they go in Europe, the more that the pundits and the idiots who do set the narratives do make that a, a clear and apparent thing about how Pedri isn't just a great midfielder who's young, but he's a great midfielder for anybody in the game. And then again, even the medium all, how much can you put it on a 16-year-old? And if Xavi does lose Rafinha for any length of time, is it Ferran Torres as your starter on the right wing every single time? Or are you going to put Gundogan on the right wing, or is it going to be Pedri as a right winger, or is Gabi as the right winger, or is it going to be Balde as a right winger with Koundé behind him? Like, that's another option. And I think you're going to see things that you haven't thought about yet this season that are going to happen, and you just kind of have to expect that. So last word to you, Rafa, as again, we're like 24 hours away from another preseason match, and by that time, I'm assuming because Frankie played really well, he's going to be sold for 160 million euros, 
but then Barcelona is going to go out and, 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 and I don't know. I don't know who they're going to get, but maybe they'll, no. maybe they'll buy into Miami. Not don't, don't bring Messi back. Just buy into Miami. <laughs> Look, you know that I'm the driver of the Ansu Fati bus. So that that's one thing that I saw a little bit of positive glimpses against Arsenal. So I'm really hoping because, like you said, we're gonna by the looks of things next time I'm on this podcast, Dembele won't be a Barcelona player. So we need. And um, Ansu is that guy, like whether it, like between Ferran and him, I think the the between those two, and even I'll add Rafinha, the one that we need if we really want to have, like take that next step, especially up front, the one that has the highest ceiling. Even though you, I know you think that knee injury is done and dusted. It's Ansu. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Don't kick me off the bus. Are you, you're crazy. Yeah, like, whoa, you whoa, whoa. Listen, listen. <laughs> to me, it's a numbers game. Ansu, Farron, Rafinha, you need 35 goals out of those three guys. I don't care how they happen, when they happen. Like, I don't care if you drag Ansu for not scoring until, not you, but I'm saying Ustedes, like everybody. Yeah. I'm saying if, if, they, if he does not, if he has one goal by his birthday, October 31st, if he has one goal by that point in the season, but he scores 12 to 15 for the rest of the year, that's going to set a precedent and a an idea of that he couldn't shake it off. But Ansu, I don't care when they come. I want like 15 to 16, 17 goals. Somewhere in there, and I'm totally fine. I don't care how they happen. Like, all competitions? All competitions, okay. yeah. Even though he had double, he had double digit last year, but it was still a failure because of expectations for him. Yeah. But and yeah, 15 to, I mean, yeah, 20, I'd be over the moon. 20, I'm yeah. saying Ansu's back. I'm not even worried about the knee anymore. But even for Ferran Torres, like Ferran has got to hit 13 or 14. And Rafinha, without Dembele now, has got to hit 15. Because Dembele didn't score goals last year. Barcelona also won way too much by one nothing. I also do expect Gundogan to, what? how many did he have last year? Like 10 to 12? So I, I just, again, it's a numbers game. So are you getting enough scoring from your midfield to counteract, again, that balance in the force? If, you're, if your forwards and wingers are not scoring, and again, it all goes back to Lewandowski when we're talking about goals. If that dude scores 40, you're fine. If he scores 35, still fine. If he scores 28, you have to get more goals or Barcelona are not winning the Liga and they're not going to the Champions League. I mean, and that's what it is. It's, it's about Lewandowski, how many goals is that guy going to put in? And then you fill in the rest of the numbers down. And I'm going to do that later. I'm going to give my predictions. Like we still have time for that. So I'm, I don't know. I'm not jumping. And, too and, much and I that. think that the, 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 key, the key to Lewandowski will be how much service it gets. Like, let's not forget, like he was used to playing with, freaking Bayern Munich. He was getting service from the left, from the right, from both wingers, from behind him, Muller, creating spaces for him, from even Alfonso Davies as a left back. Like, he was getting service from the left, from the right, from the middle, everywhere. So, if we're able to somehow, I mean, not recreate the exact same thing, but if we're able to recreate, if we're able to get service to Lewandowski, I have no doubt whatsoever that he'll be able to get up there where there's 30, 35, and that'll be key. And I completely agree with you what you said. Like, it's, it's no coincidence that we lost Dembele for the most part of the second half of the season. We went to that 4-4-2-ish, whether Xavi wants to admit it or not, formation to, in my opinion, protect more Busquets than Lewandowski. And I think it's no coincidence that that was also a drop-off in production from, from Lewandowski. So, again... 
what I'm trying to get at is that out of those three, Ferran, uh, Rafinha, and, and Ansu, uh, Ansu is the, he has the it factor. Like, I, I think Ferran and Rafinha are more like system wingers in a way, but Ansu is, he, he's capable of, we'll see if, like, he can do it like he used to before injury, hopefully, but he's a, he's a difference maker, right? When he, Ansu is Ansu, he's that guy. He, he pulls out the Harry Potter one. And he's able to create something out of nothing, unlike Rafinha and Ferran for the most part. So that's why up top, to me, that's what I wanted to finish with, that I still, whether it's blind hope, it could be. I'm not denying that. But I do think that up top, that could be a big, big difference maker, whether we get somehow, not say, I'm not saying the exact same guy, but close to mm -hmm. Ansu pre-injury, I think that could be the difference if we that we're able to either win the league and then make a respectable run once again in the Champions League. Yeah, a little prediction here. I'll give you a little teaser, then I'll say goodbye. If Abde does stick around, I'm going to give him easily less than 10 goals. I think he scores somewhere between seven, five and seven with the time he's going to get and the opportunities he's going to have. But I would predict and I would hope that his assists or not even primary assist, but he's not going to get credit for it. But I mean, hockey even the assist. other day, right? Like against Arsenal when he got the hockey assist. Yeah. I want that hockey assist number to be between 12 and 15. And yeah. I think we're going to, if he has done that, even if the numbers aren't there, if he's gotten 10, 12 to 15 hockey assists, we are easily going to be over the moon about Abde on the season. And I think that's what, what is being I'm more about. excited about Abde and Ansu than I am about Ferran and Rafinha. I'll just leave it at that. Well, I think there's something about potential and then yeah. established players. Like that, right? I mean, again, Farron is still crazy to say how young he is, but he is still young and he could still attack. Yeah, I think Rafinha, <laughs> where you are, yeah, we're just pleading. Can you do what you did last year? Even though we complained about it the whole way, kicking and screaming, just give us the same numbers, <laughs> get some free kicks. Like, I, just something, just do something, <laughs> please. Uh, and he did it. He did it already this, uh, in the preseason. So I don't know. More, more Rafinha. So that's Aldemui Football. Follow him everywhere. The Barcelona podcast for us. You can hear it a lot of me because preseason's back. And again, I likely will continue to stay off camera without the, yeah, sure, I'm here on the podcast. But I'm going to kind of take it easy as I, I work my way back as I recover. So we got through it today, though, Rafa. And I appreciate that about you. And I appreciate uh, the fact that Barcelona, yeah, Dembele, he arrived two months after we started the podcast. And it makes me feel old. Makes you feel old. And I was like, ooh, this young kid who's on a Dembélé. Oh, uh, we can talk about him on the new podcast that I've got going on. <laughs> and now he's gone. All right, so thanks so much for listening to the show after all these years. Until next time, we'll talk to you in the first part.